So I've managed to hurt my arm quite badly. I don't know if you were watching. Oh dear. The mighty Talkie United drawn against former Premier League team Derby County in the first round of the FA Cup and 2-1 down, 95th minute. Everyone's in the box, even the keeper. Scrambles around, hits the back of the net, went absolutely mental. Obviously, I was four hours away in my front room, screaming on my own. So my voice, I've I've genuinely been taking throat sweets today because of it. (laughs) And I'm not really sure what I did. It feels like I pinched a nerve, like in my shoulder. And genuinely, I'm meant to be playing football tonight. And it's sort of that classic six aside thing where you just take it in turns to do 10 minutes in goal. And I'm genuinely going to probably going to have to bail on my turning goal as a result. That is poor. So that is like the definition of limbs, literally. It's it, literally <laughs> limbs and muscles. And no, I did muscles. see it. It was, uh, it was mental. I put it on at the end and I was like, I bet Alice is going absolutely crazy right now. And <laughs> lo and behold, he was. <laughs> Fans were on the pitch and everything. I sort of turned around as I did. It was a, it was a similar thing when England won the Cricket World Cup. And you know, in that absolutely bonkers ending at yeah. that as well. And at the time, my son was only a few months old, maybe even only a few weeks old. I can't remember the exact timing of it, but he was asleep in the crib next to the next to me in the living room. And I remember just going absolutely mental. And then I looked down, and he was just staring up at me like the most terrified little creature on the planet. And I think I probably did something similar to him yesterday. But was he I, aware? Uh, is he aware? Or is he just still? Yeah, that's well. He's well. Yeah, he's nearly four. So yeah, he is. They were wearing oh, their the little talk, wearing their little talkie shirts and good singing the songs with me and getting them wrong. But that's fine. No, it was good. And next week get to go on a little trip to Derby away Tuesday night. What's it called? Pride Park now, isn't it? It's baseball ground in my day. Pride Park, that's which is apparently a very nice stadium. So I'm looking forward to that. It's only about an hour or so from here. So anyway, this is boring. The cliff notes. Celebrated a goal too heavily with my children. Hurt yeah. my arm. We need to behave yourself. Play golf or football. You need to and behave yourself on the away leg now, don't you? Oh, sorry, on the replay. Yeah, you're not going to see me on the telly with my top off, so don't worry about that. I'm very sensitive. He says. He says. <laughs> anyway, let's talk about some golf. You didn't even ask me about my weekend. Oh, no one cares about your weekend. What? I prepared notes and everything. So, what happened on the LPGA? Brilliant. Yeah. What a win again. We have another British winner. Three out of the last four weeks now. Incredible. The British invasion of the LPGA. It is. First Scott since 2011 as well. Good old Gemma. He has a fantastic win, really. Who was the last Scott to win on the LPGA? You can't just drop that little. You can't just drop that little one in there and then not actually say who it was. Well, I thought at the time when they said it, I was like, "Can only be Katrina Matthew," and uh, it was thankfully she won. I think did she win in Mexico or she beat a Choa anyway? I looked it up, did did a little bit of research. Anyway, fantastic time for British golf. Fantastic time for European golf as well as Dryberg. There was of course Bernard Langer who beat his own record for being the oldest man to win on the championship, which which sort of seems like an odd way of wording it, doesn't it? Because he's not going to... Like, I I get the point that he's beating his own record. Like that's the He's better his own record, isn't he? That's what it should say. He's not going to win the next tournament younger than he won a previous tournament. So 
bizarre wording but anyway he is now on 65 that's mad isn't it he's now know, 44 ridiculous. champions tour victory he keeps he keeps beating his age as well i'm just like i'm convinced at this point he's like an avenger or something like he's just <laughs> not human is he <laughs> absolutely ridiculous but he's one away from his um one away from halo wins record he's gonna probably be that and then some isn't he now at this rate he seems to just keep getting better and better what a man indeed. The other thing of note was, of course, Scotty Scheffler wants that world number one spot back, doesn't he? He does indeed. I remember. So I was watching it. He shot, what, nine under in the final round. It was like it was all the scenarios of how he could get back to world number one. He basically had to finish outright second. But after three rounds, he was like he was like miles back. And then he shot some stupid score. He was nine under, wasn't he? Nearly getting it back off Rory. Actually, funny enough, when he was watching, I was like, oh, I wonder what the shortest reign ever for world number one is. So I... Uh, I typed in shortest world number one. Didn't come up with the answer I wanted. Did not there work that de- right. It was like, it was like definitely... shortest golfers in history. I was like, no, no, no. Um, no. But there was, there, there's, <laughs> yeah, there's, like this is not what this is not right. But uh, no, there's lo- there was loads of loads of guys were only world number one for one week. Uh, yeah, yeah. I was going to say there, there were there were periods after Tiger when yeah. people were trading it week. Well, in, even week out. Greg Norman was on there four or five times. Um, Obviously, he was world number one for, what was it, 381 weeks or whatever, so he was bound to have yeah. some short spells in there. But there was loads that only held on for a week, so if Scheffler had, well, he only needed one one or two more birdies in the end. If he had done it, Rory, uh, he wouldn't have joined that list, sadly. Sadly. Well, this was the thing Obviously, when, Rory, fan. when Rory went back to world number one a couple of weeks ago, and people were saying, oh, it's the ninth time he's been to world number one. and I, And I was just thinking, well, yeah, but six or seven of those were in the space of like two months when he was basically just trading places with off the just top trading of my head, places, Jordan yeah. Spieth and, and Jason Day for a couple of weeks, you know, so it's all not strange. Well, it just shows you because I saw that and Tiger's had 11 reigns at world number one. So it actually, that actually just makes Tiger even more impressive because it just shows when he did become, for all those weeks, he only chopped and changed 11 times. Like it just showed when he was ahead, how, how he could just maintain it, like, insane really i love it when those another crazy tiger stat whenever someone well exactly whenever someone comes out as another world number one and you see these things on mainly on social media on twitter before i'm gonna miss twitter when elon musk blows it up i really am but they always come out and they say things like if rory wants to match tiger's number of weeks at world number one he basically has to stay there now until he's 75 or something like that absolutely all right so just before we get into DP World Tour and other such things. This isn't strictly about tour, but everyone listening, I presume, plays golf. So the 2023 Rules of Golf update has been announced by the RNA and USGA and our Rules of Golf expert, our Level 3 qualified RNA expert, Steve Carroll, has spent the last two weeks basically not sleeping so he can get all the information out for you so if you're interested in the rules of golf and the updates please head over to nationalclubgolfer.com and check all those out and just remember to subscribe to our podcast because then it pops up on your phone and there's also a podcast from steve alongside tom Irwin, and they chat about club golf matters i'm sure this week will be rules of golf related and we also have a podcast from hannah holden and jack backhouse called all the gear for the nerds out there who get properly into gear and instruction and just generally ways of improving your game so make sure you listen to those two right let's get on with it let's start with the dp world tour schedule every november 
the DP World Tour comes out with its brand new exciting schedule and we're all thinking what's changed and the reality is actually not a lot apart from a couple of tournaments in so there's, there's tournaments in Japan and Korea which are new Singapore as well I think Singapore so yeah. there's a little Asian swing isn't there which there is, yeah. which might be something to do with live golf we'll, uh, we'll get to that later but again not a lot's changed feels a bit cut and paste before we get to that the big thing about it is the earnings assurance program now for those that don't know what the earnings assurance program is just explain it to me like i'm five like you're five Mm -hmm. sure so i think this is sort of the big change from the schedule i mean like you just alluded to nothing too drastic has changed like the schedule looks pretty similar but what they've added is this assurance packet um, pretty similar to the one that we saw on the PGA Tour, really. Um, and essentially, it's just like a base salary for DP World Tour players. But it's 150k minimum. Now, what that means is if and, and then the player has to have played 15 events to be able to get this. So it's basically for all the committed DP World Tour members, which is categories one to 17, which it's pretty much it pretty much covers everyone. All your all your stalwarts so on the uh, DP World Tour. Now, it's the 150k minimum. But what that means is. If you don't make 150k in the season, they'll essentially top it up. So it's not they're just getting 150k for playing on the DP World Tour. It's if they don't reach that total in prize funds, DP World Tour will essentially top it up. So say if you play in 20 events and you make 100k throughout the year, they're going to give you a nice old 50k bonus. Okay. Now I was a bit skeptical when I when I heard this. I thought surely everyone who plays 15 events is making 150k, right? And to me, it seemed just a bit of a I don't know, a token gesture is not the right word, but like, oh, look, we're changing something just for the sake of it. Like we're compensating for the sake of it to try and rival live and show that they are taking care of their players. I thought it was a bit, was a bit stupid. Everyone's making 150K. But I did a bit of research and it turns out there's some, there's some guys on DPO tour who like struggling for cash. So this is going to be good. So, I mean, we'll just take like the bottom guy, for example, who played, who is category 17. So he falls into this bracket. He played 18 events on the DP World Tour. Last Sorry, what year. is category 17? What do the categories mean? Category 17 is like anyone who's qualified from Challenge Tour, Sunshine Tour, PJ of Australasia Tour, anyone who in the race to do by rankings, it's 138 to 150. So it's it's the guys right at the lower end of the, the DP World Tour, but okay. it's the guys that have sort of just crept in um, or just or basically just kept their card. So it's essentially, it's still pretty much everyone. If, if we go into category 17 or lower... It's guys who, I mean, I did a little look at the list. It's people like, it's, it's people like PGA Tour players who come over and play like a few events, or okay. it's like one-time qualifiers. Like it's it's the guys who really aren't um, giving anything to the to the DP World Tour, but then they're not playing 15 events anyway, are they? So it doesn't matter. So if you if you're playing 15 events on the DP World Tour, you you're getting this assurance scheme, so everyone's getting it. So yeah, I did a bit of research, and and the guy who falls into this category but was the bottom earner in 2022 and that's graham storm he's made four thousand euros this year from 18 events he's made one cut in 18 events if if this assurance program had been in place this season graham storm would have been given 146k by the european tour yeah but but he's absolutely raging do you know what i saw him in the media cafe at the open at st andrews i presume he was doing some media work for someone because he certainly wasn't playing. He wasn't playing. I <laughs> sort of feel like I should have bought his lunch for him. <laughs> should have done, yeah. <laughs> no, but yeah, so he, he will lose this card this year. But if this scheme was in place this season, like you say, he would make 146k more. 
which for someone like that, especially, uh, you know, it's very good for someone like that because he's now going to lose his card and this guy's, this is his livelihood. And like I say, I was skeptical when I heard it, oh, 150K, they're all making that. Well, someone like that, how big is that going to be? So yeah, it's a, it's a minimum and it's not on top. If somebody makes 151K in a DP World Tour season, then they're not going to get it, are they? And they've also added, which is quite a big one, I think, which the PJ Tour did as well. And we talk about the strategic alliance, don't we? It was sort of mimicking it to an extent, but just a little bit less in terms of funds. But people on like the Challenge Tour and people at Q School, they're going to get reimbursed for like travel and uh, any tournament expenses, which is good. We had uh, we had Tom Hayward on from the Clutch Tour and he was saying, you know, about the, the money not filtering down now. Obviously, this is not going to that level, but the fact that they are showing some interest and, and, and showing, you know, giving some money to the guys in Q School and the guy coming up from Challenge Tour yeah. to help them out, I think that it is a good thing. So while we might talk about the schedule and it's not too much change, and while it might seem like not a lot of money to think about the money we talk about now in World Golf, the millions getting spent, you think oh, 150k is nothing, but I think it's it's a good package and it's a start. So we'll just see what the players have to think about it, really. I, yeah, that's what I'm interested in. So first of all. If you play 15 events next year and you miss 15 cuts and make zero pounds, you you get 150k. Is that what yes, we're saying? Correct. We're confident of that. Yeah. I sort of don't know how I would feel. I, I if I'm a player that makes 151k, I'm happy because I've made 151k and I'm obviously playing good golf. I'm certainly happier than in that scenario than I am missing 14 cuts. And yeah. getting topped up to 150k, having like uh, the, the Graham Storm situation. So I, it's 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 strange, but I'm presuming it's not it's not going to count towards winnings, is it? And count towards whether no. you keep your card. That's still so. Yeah, you're, you're you're definitely happier if you've made the 150k yourself, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, essentially, you can just got to sort of look at it as like a base salary, but like oh, but you know, then it's a minimum, isn't it? And I think it's been one of the quarrels of pro golf, hasn't it, that you could play. I mean, someone like someone like that, we go back to Graham Storm, but you shouldn't be playing 18 events on a tour. But obviously, I know he's not winning stuff, but he's still giving to that tour just by his presence and playing. He shouldn't, you know, he shouldn't be earning that little money for playing 18 events. Like it's just, it's just brutal, isn't it? So it's, it's good. It's good. People might, you know, come back and say, oh well, it's well, a, where's the money come from, and b, you know, so it's nothing. But I think to the guys on the lower end, it will it will be beneficial. Yeah, it's a tough one, isn't it? Because you just look at it and you think, eighteen events, you've missed seventeen cuts. <laughs> it's yeah, but then you lose your card, so it's not like you're. Yeah, you know no, I, mean? I, I get that. There is there is something to. I mean, look, Graham Storm's perhaps not the best example because he's obviously a veteran. He he's won a couple of times on tour. Uh, he's probably made a few quid from it. He's probably not doing too badly for cash. But mm. when you're talking about someone who's, it sort of feels to me like it's taking away from the brutality of sport, which is a good thing. But on the flip side, is it perhaps pandering to these players a little bit? It sort of feels like, you know, how we we sort of say that footballers are a, a bit too pandered these days. Yeah, and. I don't want to get all in my day because that sort of feels like increasingly feels like my role on this podcast. But <laughs> obviously, back in the day, like there was just there was no money in these in these things, and and it's sort of good that there is money and that and they and these players are being rewarded for entertaining us week in week out. But those players struggling to make their card aren't 
the ones who are entertaining the masses on a weekly basis. Yeah. This, this sounds so harsh, but I, and I, and I am it just does. thinking about this. This isn't something I thought about until just now. So I'm sort of thinking about it on the fly. But I get what you're saying. But the, the punishment, isn't it, is, is losing the cards. Then you don't get you don't get to, to make that money again. Um, so it's, it's a tough one. And I get what you're saying. But I think I think it's needed. I think I, I, golfers should always be paid no, no matter what. Perhaps what I'm saying is that 150 grand just feels like a lot. Right. For to go and play it for 15 weeks work and not doing anything like that is that is what we're saying isn't it you can you yeah. can turn up you can do 30 days work and get 100 and and bad work at that and get 150 grand it just seems a bit <laughs> i i feel like first of all this is obviously a, a retaliation to live and how live are treating their players and perhaps we should commend live for that that they've they've made these changes that actually correct um, I'm, not, I'm not talking about the multi-gazillionaires at the top of the game i'm talking about those players who are struggling and could do with help with expenses and things like that but it just sort of feels like they've perhaps gone a little bit too far like i get that's probably just to stave off live i mean don't get me wrong no disrespect to graham storm he's a very very nice man he's gonna they, they do they do want to get i don't think greg norman's on 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 the phone to graham storm trying to get him over to to live but <laughs> he might yeah, have been in the first event centurion <laughs> he could have, he well, could have yeah, got a call. that is true it sort of feels like there's a middle ground uh, 150 grand feels like a lot of money but again it's the dp world tours money they can do whatever they want with it but it just sort of feels like they maybe panicked a little bit and, and just to hit the red button but yeah i mean I, like i said i did some research and to be honest most of them are are getting pretty close to that you know there's only uh, you know, it's quite, there is a fair few, but it's not, you know, it's not like there's loads of guys that are falling underneath that line. You know, a few good tournaments and you're and you're making that anyway, aren't you? But I get what you're saying. I hear what you're saying. It's just money, 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 isn't it? At the minute, can't get enough of it. I think the overriding thing for me is that if I'm Graham Storm and this has come in this year, I'm absolutely raging. <laughs> is this is this podcast going to be renamed the Graham Storm Special? <laughs> like, we should get yeah. it we should, uh, must, we should, yeah, we should right. try and get hold of him. Cut. We should try and get hold of him and ask him how he feels and say, Graham, did you know that if you play, if that had come in this year, you'd be 150 or 140, oh, no. six grand richer. That's him. God, I hope he doesn't listen to this. I feel really bad. Yeah. Well, he will once we rename it Graham Storm Podcast. <laughs> Brilliant. Anyway, so like we said, apart that that is the big change. That That's and, and that one, is yeah. that is a huge change. And and we'll come back to live in a bit, but. For me, just taking a scan over the DP World Tour schedule once again for the X year in a row, insert whatever number you want here. So let, let me just throw some years at you at random, not random, because right. I looked at them already. So in 1978, 11 of the 24 European Tour events were in Great Britain and Ireland. In 1986, it was 12 of 30. Now, those, those are just two years i i plucked at random off of wikipedia now you could go to any year in the 70s or 80s and it, and it would have been a similar number it would have been double digits out of you know and we're talking a third of the tournaments mm. in great britain and ireland even in 1999 that was 11 out of 40 so more events but still the same more events in total throughout the year but still uh, the same amount in great britain and ireland in 2023 that's going to be six now 
you've got three in England, that's including the Open, two in Scotland, so that's the uh, Scottish Open and the uh, Dunhill Links. You've got one in Northern Ireland, which I'm, I'd need to double check, but that's the, the World Invitational, which is a Challenge Tour event, if I remember rightly, which is yeah. um, co-sanctioned. And the Irish Open is going to be at the K Club. K-Club. Absolutely, absolutely none in Wales, which, as we know, has some unbelievable golf courses. And even even when they do go to Wales, they just end up going to Celtic Manor all the time. But yeah, I get that it's again, I get that it's money, 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 money. But the British. Yeah, and the second you've also got to think how and, you know, if you read the statement, they're just priding themselves on being the world tour, aren't they? Yeah, Um, I don't want to take away from the fact that it's absolutely incredible that we are going to all the, the, the DP World Tour is going to all these countries. But again, it's just a money thing. Like, would would they be going to some of these places? And I, and I don't want to name countries and say places because that's disrespectful to the country. But would they be going to some of these places if it wasn't for the money? You know, think of all the golf courses in this country. Think of what British fans have done for this sport over the year. Think how many people turn up to these events when they're in, in, in our country. I mean, it, for me, it's a massive shame that the the British Masters, which had been doing the rounds and had been played at some lovely golf courses recently, you know, Walton Heath and places like that in recent years. That's been at the Belfry for the last two years and it's going to be at the Belfry for another four, so 23 through 26. Mm. Now, it's a nice golf course. It's a really nice place. It's a really nice setup. It's smack bang in the middle of the country. The fans seem to like it. The fans seem to flock there. The infrastructure is good. The transport links are good. But it just, for me, it just takes away from the fact, think of all the wonderful Heathland courses we have. We, the, the, I mentioned Walton Heath, the Sunningdales and places like that. The, the Wobans, your place. I know. And then think about the incredible Lynx golf courses around the country that, you know, um, whether you're down in Cornwall or Devon or or Norfolk or even some of the others in the northwest that don't get used for the Open. That's before I've even got into South Wales or or Scotland's Gulf Coast, there are some unbelievable places to take the British Masters or take any tournament in this country, and we're just not taking advantage of it. And for me, I think that's a real shame. And the own, well, it's a huge own goal for starters, or whatever the golf, golfing equivalent of an own goal is. And what is the golfing equivalent? Shank. Of shank. Okay, that's a massive shank by the DP World Tour, and and a huge blow for fans in this country. And without fans sport is nothing that's sort of an old cliche but it's true isn't it yeah but then on the flip side of that of course the flans the the flans the fans will flock to the belfry it's just as a viewer as a spectator it's a huge shame that some of these unbelievable golf courses around the country i would rather the dp world tour was spending the money taking the tournaments around the country rather than just sticking to the same places i'd have to agree with you and i mean the british masters is just like, what, do you remember how excited everyone was when that came back? Because obviously we don't have the British Masters for years, did we? We had about that 10-year break. Um, yeah, it was 2009 to... I don't think it was 10, but it was certainly... But, but when a, it came back, it felt like... And it it felt like that, that their pledge was to sort of take it around the country every year. There was going to be a host player, wasn't there? Um, which sort of happened for a few years. And, and it really brought the excitement back to the tournament. And now it's just... I feel like it's just a bit meh again. And now it's going to be at the Belfry for, what, three, four years, you say? It's disappointing, really. 
Um, yeah, so it was, it was at the Belfry for a bit, wasn't it? And then they went away because there was a lack of sponsorship. And then it came back to your place, actually, wasn't Woven it? Woven was the first one, yeah. That, that was it, 15, wasn't it? It came back. Yeah, and, and then they a, went to Close House. They've been to Close House. They've been to the, the Grove. Grove. They've been to Walton Heath. Hillside. They had a, a, a yeah, year Yeah, which is great, which they? is what you want from it. I think that's the whole point of it. And that, that was what got people excited to have it back. And now it's just like... Oh, and, and it was not only was it back, but it was back at these golf courses, which perhaps don't get... Uh, to be centre stage yeah. ever. I mean, obviously, the Belfry is the Belfry, hosted the Ryder Cup more times than any other venue. Whatever you think about the golf courses is is, is up to you. But, you know, Hillside is a really good example of that, isn't it? Walton Heath is a really good... I mean, OK, Walton Heath has a, a bit more history than Hillside. It obviously hosted the Ryder Cup and things like that. But these places that don't get to get showcased every year in, year out, and that's what we loved about the British Masters, wasn't it? That it was moving around, that it was taking the go- it was taking a huge golf, one of the biggest golf tournaments on the DP World Tour season. And it was taking them to these, I don't want to say outposts, that's not the right phrase, but it's taking them to different parts of the country. Yeah. And the allowing that would never get it. fans around the country. I mean, think of how many fans in the northeast who would never get to go to a golf tournament all flocked to close house. We've had two British masters at close house in the last five years. Think how many uh, have flocked to close house to, to watch the biggest. I mean, Rory McIlroy played in the first one, didn't he? Um, was beaten by Paul Dunn, if I remember rightly. But yeah, all those golfers in the Northeast that never, ever get a golf tournament anywhere near them got to go and watch Rory McIlroy up close. Lee Westwood, people like that. I think I think it's Sergio Garcia turned up that year, didn't he? Yeah, so some of the biggest names in golf were turning up to play these events. And now, you know, no disrespect to Danny Willett. But I mean, also, why is Danny Willett so keen to have it at the Belfry? He's a Yorkshireman, for starters. He yes, should yeah. be one who should be going, right, well, let's take it somewhere. But I, I mean, he has no no choice in when they take it, obviously. He might not even come over next year. He's got bigger things now on the PGA. He's got a mate ride cup squad. Unless he signs for the live. No, 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 no. He's not in the rumours piece, which you can check out on nationalclubgolfer.com. Which we will get to shortly. But, uh, that was a really tenuous link, but I'll I'll, I'll accept it. You got to take it. You got another course. Actually, another course that's missing is talking of Ryder Cup venues and talking of live and talking of golf courses that are not on the DP World Tour schedule next year, and that is Valderrama. Yeah. Which apparently is going to be a live golf venue next year. So that's interesting, isn't it? And that yeah. and that's a huge shame. I mean, there's obviously huge history behind that venue. It was uh, hosted the 1997 Ryder Cup. It's immensely popular with players and fans alike. And again, that's a huge loss for the not only the DP World Tour, but the fans as well. Yeah. It, it just Well, yeah, of course. Unless you're Adrian Otegi, you can pay both um, yeah. and win both. But uh, put, yeah. Put your, put your house on Otegi winning the Lift Golf Valderrama event next year. But that would be quite a double, wouldn't it? That would be a quiz question in years to come. <laughs> Adrian Otegi. He's uh, he's dead to me now anyway, after I backed him to the death a few weeks ago on the podcast. <laughs> he's come back to the DP because of his livelihood and then he's went back to live. All right, mate. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> um, but yeah, back to Valderrama. I mean, it does seem a shame. Um, and also you, you want these iconic venues. I mean, it just shows how much Liv must be throwing at them to have it there. Um, just must be stupid amounts of money, mustn't it? Well, it, it, that that's just it, isn't it? Valderrama. If you're if you're running Valderrama now, I, I'm going to bastardise the situation here. But if you're Valderrama and you're going, well, do I pay to be a DP World Tour venue or do we get paid to be a live yeah. venue? You don't care, do you? It's, it's a no-brainer. Just absolute no-brainer. 
I think just one other thing that I noted about the schedule before we move on to other things, which will undoubtedly be Live Golf. Oh. It's a huge shame that the Italian Open and the Wells Fargo Championship are going to clash. The Italian Open is going to be at Marco Simone, which is, of course, a few months later, will host the Ryder Cup for the first time. And Quail Hollow is obviously a, a venue and a tournament that players like certainly hold dear to players like Rory McIlroy. He loves it, yeah. Uh, he won't, so he won't play there. And that you, you have to assume that the main... Certainly the, the guys who are pretty much guaranteed spots at the Ryder Cup, so Rahm, Fitzpatrick, Hatton, Fleetwood, Lowry, uh, Hovland, they're going to go and play Quail Hollow. They're not going to go, and, you know, one or two of them might, but the like, the majority, if not all of those players, are going to go and play at Quail Hollow. And that's a hu- that's that's a blow for not only Marco Simone and, and the DP World Tour, but that's a blow for Luke Donald as well. Just seems ludicrous. That's bonkers, it? isn't it? How I, stupid I get, is that? They've either moved it because they've got to put X amount of time between the Italian and the Ryder Cup, which is fine. But that is it. You, yeah. You'd think they'd look at the given the relatively all year round good weather in Italy, you think they would look at it and go, "Let's get it on a week where it's really, really uh, like a quiet-ish PGA Tour week." I know it's not easy scheduling a golf tournament. I I I, I don't want to simplify it too much but it just seems like common sense doesn't it it doesn't well and also i'm not being funny like the i've been to marco simone like there's nothing going on there like i don't even think they have to <laughs> they're like oh sorry we've got our we've got a monthly medal that weekend so we can't do it there's yeah we don't really there they they can host we've spoken to the members want. we've spoken to the members and we can only do it the same week <laughs> as quail hollow and we're really sorry about that <laughs> like it's stupid like luke donald must be fuming like you say and i think the italian open was great this year like i was watching it and there were, a lot of the europeans had come over come over hadn't they and, and they made a big point of saying you know, Fitz was playing and Rory was playing. Bob McIntyre was obviously there. Uh, Aaron Rye come over. And they were all making a big point of going, oh, you know, this is like a great dress rehearsal for the Ryder Cup. And, you know, we're getting a real feel for the course. And they kept emphasising it. And it was it was correct. And then to ha- to be able to have that opportunity again and to sort of squander it like they have. It will be interesting because we're talking like this now, but perhaps perhaps players will favour it over the Wells Fargo. We don't know. You know, we, we, obviously someone like Rory has an affiliation to the Wells Fargo. He's won it, what, two, three times. Um, but we don't know. They might, you know, Donald might say to them, look, I want you to come and play this course this week. You don't know. We don't know that. It, it, yeah, it does seem stupid, but perhaps we're jumping ahead in terms of, you know, the field for now. We don't know. I'm not sure even the Ryder Cup captain has that kind of sway. I can't imagine Donald even asking them to do that. Like maybe, yeah, maybe like Hatton and Fleetwood and and those that who are a bit further down the pecking order. But the Rory's and the Rams of the world, if they do play, they go that week. They're going to play. True. And Rory doesn't need. And to be Rory doesn't need to go and play it, does he? He's now played it once. He's Rory McIlroy. I think he'll be all right. He'll probably do his usual thing where he just takes his dad few weeks before the tournament on an off week yeah like he does at Augusta every year right let's move on to live golf so Greg Norman this week has hinted at the fact that he's got several big names and Mm. we're talking top 20 players in his sights who will be signing for the 2023 season this is going to be something that runs until the whole 48 player roster is filled out I didn't really like his quotes when he started calling. What did he? Say? He said the players are liberated by playing live golf, which is just 
It, it, well, I, not I, even that. He 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 went further and said the players who are who have not joined Live and who are playing on the PJ Tour and who are buddies with the Live guys want to be liberated. I mean, you're you're talking about multi-millionaires who yeah. live the multi-millionaire lifestyle. To compare it to something like, I mean, it, it sort of has slavery connotations. It's a terrible it? word. And things like that. It's just, it's such a, a a crass way of putting it. And yeah, I, I I don't want to reflect on that too much. But Jesus, Greg, like, just think about what you're saying before you say it. But let's let's just discuss the rumours because I, I don't think he would be saying what he's saying if he didn't already have some promises. Yeah, he's he's players. talking he's 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 talking in that sort of arrogant way that he was talking before he announced the Cam's the big Cam Smith one where they brought in about seven players, didn't he? Yeah. And it seems like he sort of and he has said seven, and we've obviously heard some names, which we discussed last week, but yeah, he seems confident he's gonna get them. And it is exciting again to an extent, isn't it? Because we sort of lost the oh, who's gonna join for a bit and he wants to tie up those rosters for next year, doesn't he? So who are you? Who who like? Let, let's name some names. Who do you think he's looking at? Well, we obviously discussed last week that Patrick Cantlay and Xander Schauffele were uh, are still being linked. Yeah, they still are, but I don't think they're going to go. I think I think until the world ranking stuff gets sorted out, sorted out, people like that are not going to go yet. Especially guys like that who are chasing their first major still. Now I know their position in the rankings, they're going to be in the majors for a while anyway. But I don't think they're going to somewhat players like that are going to jeopardize it yet. I think they'll get some what, 30, 25 players again. Like I know before someone like Mito Pereira was linked. I think they're going to they're going to get that sort of caliber of player again. I really think they're going to get Adam Scott. I think now that he's now that he's played the President's Cup which was perhaps sort of the thing that, you know, he was like the veteran of the team. He didn't want to, it would have been a big stab in the back, I think, if he'd have left when he was rumoured to leave before and gone for the President's Cup. And I think Greg Norman wants nothing more than that, like, big Aussie team. And I think in another interview I heard, he was sort of hinting that the Aussie team was going to get strengthened and that Leishman hadn't really been cutting his way. And is it Ormsby and Jones, I think, the other guy. I think Adam Scott will go. Um, just purely from sort of the Aussie standpoint. And I think they'll be, he'd have spoken to the other boys about it. But if he's saying that about the Aussie team, the, the only player it can be is Adam Scott. Really. Exactly, yeah. Who else? Yeah. I mean, Australian golf is oh, in a very got, good no, position um, at the moment. But. Uh, who's the guy who won the Bermuda last year? I thought you were oh, Luca, Lucas Herbert you're talking about. Yeah, how are we going back into that? I sort of agree with you that you know, when, when he's talking in that confident way and you sort of feel like, Oh, maybe he has got some players signed up that we just don't know about yet. Mm-hmm. But also, this is Greg Norman, who has constantly witted on about how the viewing figures are great, even though we're literally looking at them. <laughs> there's only like a few thousand people watching. And uh, what did he, he said something else the other day, didn't he? He said that the PGA Tour's average... The average oh, the age, sorry, the average age of a PGA Tour viewer is something like sixty-five and a half, and he said, "Oh, in in only eight events, we've got that down to forty-five. And it's yeah. like, first of all, you didn't start at sixty-five and get it down. It's, it's a weird flex. It's probably it? it's probably more of a techno uh, technology thing. Like if I if I said to my dad, there's my dad's a huge golf fan. He's got his Sky Sports on. He knows how to put that on. If I said to him, Dad, there's golf on YouTube, he'd be like, okay." But no, I I mean, obviously, it is going to have a a slightly younger viewership than the PGA Tour. That that goes without saying. 
but he is sort of he is he's known for stretching the truth for these things is probably the he is he o- what did he also say that live have accomplished more than any other professional league in history for a first season what does that even mean well if greg says it, it must be true come on you've not been looking at the bots on twitter <laughs> yeah he doesn't lie anyway let, let's uh, it, i think it remains to be seen and there, there could actually be you know this week alone we could have some pretty big name signings that, there'll think, be uh in my opinion it will be Sorry, all sort of outsiders, like I've just said, like sort of good players, but fringe players. And I, although I've just, I'm sort of going back and maybe what I said at the beginning, but I feel like there could be one big one that sort of no one saw coming. A bit like when DJ was the first one to, do you remember, no one really saw that, did they? And it was like, oh, wow. And there could be, especially now that it's sort of a bit off season, isn't it? Players are sort of keeping their heads down a bit on the, on the PGA. There's not like, it's not like we've got before, it's like the FedEx Cup playoffs and every single player was in the spotlight. Are you going to live? Are you going to live? Sort of, you know, it's settled down a bit. I think, I think no, we I think could that, maybe um, see one. I, yeah, I, I sort of agree with what you're saying about DJ and Deshambo and all that lot, but, and even Phil Mickelson, because at the time they were the players that were heavily rumoured, they were going to go. And then obviously the, proverbial hit the fan and they all panicked and backed out of it and then they went oh actually it's okay we're going to go now and Kepka as well Kepka Kepka pledged his allegiance to the PGA Tour three days or whatever it was before three he actually signed for Liv now you don't change your mind and then make that signing in three days you have you have um you have signed that deal yeah. way in advance of that that timing so that was a bit of a strange one for me but it, it's sort of like and with Cam Smith as well like Cam Smith was the biggest surprise for me uh, this yeah. year with the with the with the inaugural season, and I think going uh, going forward, I think the only players now that would surprise me if they signed would be one of Tiger, Rory, or Justin Thomas, just because those three have been comfortably the most outspoken. They've been leaders in the the fight against or the war against Liv, or however you want to word it. They have been the leaders in that. The most disappointing for me would obviously be Jordan Spieth, like I given, you know, just because he's my favourite golfer. And if he left to go to live, I'd be absolutely fuming. <laughs> I'd be genuine. I'm not angry, Jordan. I'm just very, very disappointed. Do you, do you know what would be the greatest U-turn in Liv's history? <laughs> me? No, no, no. <laughs> Jordan Spieth signs and then I show up on the next podcast with a Liv cap on. <laughs> Honestly. No, do you know who, do you know who would, uh, do you know who would for a spanner in the works, actually? Go on. Billy Horshaw, can you imagine? <laughs> <laughs> that would be good. Immediately signs for that would be like a, you know you know you know in, you know in wrestling where it's like a face gonna, and heel exactly, turn. You just took the words out of my mouth. It would be like a WWE, like a player turning heel to face or whichever way around it is. Billy like, Horshaw is a lie all along. The thing that broke my heart the most with WWE was when, and this is way before your time, but when Shawn Michaels put Marty Jannetty through the window, they were a tag team called yeah. the Rockers, and then they split up and became like that was. Jordan is that going to be him and McElroy? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Billy Horschel just puts McElroy through a window and then pulls on a live cap. <laughs> Good grief. Anyway, yeah. talking about exhibition golf, which is what Liv is. Talking about exhibition golf, Jordan Spieth and Rory McIlroy in particular, and Justin Thomas and Tiger Woods, the match is back oh, at yeah. the end of the year. Absolutely buzzing because the first one, we all watched it. Again, it was completely crass. It was Tiger Woods and Phil Mickelson for $9 million. You had that horrific photo of Mickelson posing with the cash, which 
just you it's know, good banter in this it's good banter it's horrific banter in this day and age especially like, it, just oh just horrible and then obviously the, the match became it, it became like a pro-am thing didn't it so a lot of nfl players and basketball players have been involved but now we're back to four golfers four of the best golfers in the world if not the four best golfers in the world and yeah you got Tiger and Rory, who are now business partners. You've got yeah. Justin Thomas and Jordan Spieth, who are, are best friends forever. It's going to be absolutely brilliant to watch, isn't it? Oh, it's, it's good, so much yeah. Because uh, I thought, and actually you say about the bad band and whatnot, I thought the first one was actually really good. I enjoyed it. And then I think they sort of, especially from us, from the UK point of view, when they sort of started bringing in the American, like the uh, NFL guys and stuff, I just sort of a bit like, whatever. Uh, yeah. But having those four now, like... Oh, it's going to be like it's going to be really good, and especially everything that's gone on the past year. You're like, oh, what they're going to say, and you know, it's going to be interesting. Like, you couldn't pick, you couldn't pick four better guys, could you, for that? If you were like, we're going to have this exhibition match on TV, those four, that'd be awesome. Again, I think I would say the only thing that's missing is just the LPGA stars because yeah. we, we look, we we push for a mixed event constantly, and this just seems like such an easy win, doesn't it? I mean, put put the Corder sisters in there, put Thompson in there, put Coe in there, either of the Coes, and it's just going to be a fabulous tournament. And that sort of seems like, again, it seems like a bit of a bit of a miss. But for now, these four players, like you say, the the four biggest draws in in world mm-hmm. golf at the moment, without a doubt. And it, and it will make a lot of money for charity, and I can't wait. I suspect the reason why LPGA players aren't involved is because obviously their season still carries on into December, isn't it? So perhaps that's the reason behind it. But yeah, really looking forward to it. Cannot wait. Where are they playing it, do they say? It's at Pelican, isn't it, which is in Florida. Oh, okay. In December. So, I mean, all the all the LPGA stars live in Florida as well, so it's not. Yeah. Hopefully next year, when, when the match eight comes. Well, we've got... Uh... We've got other big news on that front in that Lexi Thompson and Nelly Cordero will be pairing up in the QBE shootout in December. So maybe That's really cool, isn't it? That's really Which cool. is sort of what you're hinting at. And you know, that is like I say the first ever female parents in that competition paired against a bunch of PGA tour stars. Like how awesome would it be if they could uh, they can get a result there? That might be like the that might be the nudge they need to them do it next year. Catalyst for yeah. something. But that'd be well, well, I'm really looking forward to watching that now. Like having those two, two probably the two biggest, well, the two biggest American draws for female golf. Um, another big landmark moment, I think, having those two. So yeah, that'd be awesome. Cannot agree more. Really looking forward to it. Right, I think we've been talking for long enough. So see ya. Yeah, in a bit. <laughs>